expose my mind to clarity. Oh, my spirit shudders. Capture the moment, oh, to keep my sanity. The wisdom rushing in. So much clearer now. Getting a little bit higher. With every step I take, I'm getting good. Getting a little bit better. I'm climbing to the top. Never gonna stop. I'm Friends, family, people of the podcast, welcome to Oh Shoot. This is my photography podcast and I'm your host, Cassidy Lynn. Welcome. If you're a new listener, thank you so much for listening. I'm so happy that you're here. Even if you're a returning listener, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited for you guys to hear today's episode. I am chatting with Nate Chansky and we're going to be talking a lot about social media today. So, Buckle in. It's going to be a really great conversation and I'm excited for you guys to learn all of these great tools and tips from today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so today's episode, I am chatting with Nate Chansky. So Nate, say hi, introduce yourself. What's up, guys? I'm Nate. So we were just talking about the fact that you can call me Nate or you can call me Nathan. (laughs) either one. So (laughs) I am a wedding photographer from West Michigan, and I've been a wedding photographer full-time for just coming up this uh, spring on my three years. Uh, So that's what I've been doing for the past three years. And then like, I was also in the corporate world before that. Um, So, but I love wedding photography and I've loved every second of it this far. And then this year I've kind of like stepped into a little bit of photography education as well, which Mm -hmm. has been like so awesome and so fulfilling in so many ways. Um, So yeah, that's like kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah, cool. So let's expand a little bit on your story. I'm interested to know what you did in corporate and kind of like the steps you took to bring you to full-time wedding photography. That's quite a jump. Yes, absolutely. So I have to go back because like I actually started like, let's say with a camera in hand, like, oh my gosh, when I was like 16, I feel like in so many ways I, yeah, like it was like when I was 16, but I feel like in so many ways I've never not had a camera in my hand, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I have always just been like really interested in shooting uh, with a camera and kind of shooting people um, in my life, uh, with a camera, <laughs> so, yeah. so weird being, like shooting people. Um, so that is something that always was like, so fulfilling to me, just mm-hmm. kind of capturing those moments for people and even capturing moments for myself and kind of, again, just like pausing that moment in time. Um, mm-hmm. so then I, you know, I got into it a little bit kind of in my high school years when a lot of my friends and even family would ask me like, Hey, like, can you take my senior photos or you can yeah. take my family photos or something like that. And then I think I did even like one wedding, like way back when I was like 17 or something. Oh wow! Um, and it was like, definitely a much, it was like a very, very minimal wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I do not know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but I still did it and it gave me some good experience. Um, and then from there, that is when I went to college and I went out to Pennsylvania And I got a business marketing degree 
And um, it's so like, this kind of like makes me laugh because I didn't like, ultimately, I'm not right now doing anything with my marketing degree. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, after I got out of college, I did pursue that as a career. And I think, yeah, so right, right off the bat, like I moved right to Washington, DC, actually. Oh, and wow. I got into like, political accounts marketing. Um, and so I was working for like governors and senators on their political uh, marketing campaigns. Um, that was also the year of 20, wait a minute, 2016. It was like the other crazy year, the other crazy election year. So yeah. Was, Were you I responsible think, for like all of those crazy like video ads that you see like on the TV? Like <laughs> all of those like vote for this person. Yeah, but I was like so entry level. So I didn't actually have like a huge hand in everything yet. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it was uh, an interesting time. And I realized I kind of hated politics. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I got out of that and I was like, it was actually at that point that I had been noticing other photographers from my hometown, which was Grand Rapids at the time, um, just like kind of getting into the Instagram space mm-hmm. and just like killing it at um, their photography craft and like kind of making businesses out of their photography. And I just saw that and like me having that background in photography, that just excited me so much. And me also having that like entrepreneurial bug as well that mm-hmm. I feel like I've never not had like that just kind of like something in me like sparked interest. So I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing in DC, but I know I hate this and I know I need a change. <laughs> so I moved back home to uh, West Michigan, back to Grand Rapids. And that at that point was when I was like, okay, I just need a job like to support myself and like to live my life. (laughs) But I was like, I want a job that gives me the flexibility to pursue photography because I know that's what I want to pursue. So that at that point, um, that's when I started working as a graphic designer. And that's when I was like totally like on the side making photography like my thing and I would legitimately come home every day from uh, working my nine to five and I would just work the entire night on photography and like building my website and like building out like the back end of things and like uh, you know kind of like uh, creating just a better craft for myself like I feel like during that time I because most of my friends were at college too so I had like zero friends and I was just like working my eyeballs out. Yes. Um, so that it was at that point that I like really started to get into photography. And then um, let's see here. I believe it was 2018 was when that was the first year that I had like fully booked out enough to support myself. And I was like making more money than I was making in my job at the time. Yeah. And I was also like, I'm sure as so many people have kind of felt that um, crossover between working in nine to five and getting into entrepreneurship. Um, It was like, I'm so burned out. I feel like I'm not giving myself to my craft because I'm working between two jobs, one foot in one thing, one foot in the other thing. And so that's when I was like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm not going to work this nine to five job. And um, I'm going to jump into photography full time and like, just see what happens. Yeah. Um, so that's basically how I got started into it. And um, okay. yeah, so glad cool. I did. Yeah. So when you were at your like graphic designer phase, mm-hmm. what was your niche? Like what, what were the things that you were shooting or like the things that were bringing in money for you at that time? Um, you mean like what was as a photographer things that yes. I was bringing? 
Uh, so basically I, my goodness, I think I was just shooting like anything I could shoot. And okay. I was also doing a lot of free shoots. Like for me, I felt like I was in a position where I was like, all right, yes, I could probably get people to pay for my services. Um, and you know, a lot of people did, but at the same time, like I wanted to curate a, a, a just like kind of work that actually reflected who I was and the mm-hmm. type of work that I actually wanted to book for money eventually. Yeah. Um, so that was like one of the main things I was doing is I was just like, even if I wasn't getting paid for it, I was still shooting. And like, I, I still actually, like, there's a lot of things I did wrong as a beginner photographer, but I think that's one thing that I did very correctly yeah. is like, even though I didn't act entitled, it was like, even though I was in a situation where I didn't have the perfect clients yet, I was reaching out to my perfect clients and saying, Hey, let's go shoot. Like, let's do this. Um, so yeah. So my niche, I guess, um, much more like, Oh, I don't know, like outdoor, uh, natural area based. Um, like I, I, I've kind of always been kind of true to my craft the whole time. And so I've always liked, again, more natural spaces, Mm -hmm. um, more natural colors, more earthy colors, um, natural kind of interactions between my couples. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like what my style has always been. Okay. Um, this, this might be putting you on the spot a little bit, but you saying that there are a lot of things that you could, could have done better as you were starting out. Um, are there a few things off the top of your head that you can think of that you could have done better? Cause I know there's some for me, um, but a lot of the times it's helpful to hear from other people's mistakes because then as you're beginning, you don't make the same mistakes as other people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am, I don't even know what to choose because I feel <laughs> like I made so many mistakes but which it's like, it's good. It's like, it's all a journey. And like, now I can help people that yeah. I feel like if I didn't make any mistakes, I don't know how I could help people. No, Seriously. yeah. Um, so like for me, like when, yeah, I'm not going to go there, but anyway, for me, <laughs> I would say, <laughs> I would say that one of the biggest, maybe more general mistakes I made, um, maybe I want to mention two, but I think the biggest probably mistake I made was I did not, um, uh, guess like own up to the fact that I was running a business and I was not just um, an artist, if that makes any sense. Um, okay. So I think a lot of people get into, I don't know if you've ever read the book E-Myth, but it's just all about the fact that there's a lot of people who get into entrepreneurship and it's because they had this like beautiful craft that they were so passionate about and so skilled in. And so many people were like, you should make this like a full-time gig and you should like you know, make a career out of this. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then they actually do it. But the problem is, is they didn't realize that there's all of this like business side of things. And they're like, you're not. So, so if you're escaping the corporate world because you want to escape uh, things like accounting and things like finance and things like being organized and all, and, you know, even like having accountability, like you, <laughs> like, don't, don't think that entrepreneurship is like the bandaid to fix all those things. Like that's yeah. going to be really bad for you. And so I would say in my first like year or even two years, I think that was probably my biggest mistake is not, you know, I, I, I think I was a great creative, but I don't think mm-hmm. I was a great business owner. And yeah. I think that really like kicked me in the pants. Um, and like, especially like last year, 
that's when I was like, all right, this is ridiculous. Like I need to take the bull by the horns here. And I need to be just as incredible of a business owner as I am a creative. Yeah. Um, and then, okay. So the, the second thing I'm just going to tag onto that is, um, and this is again, kind of from a business perspective rather than just creative is I didn't invest a lot into, um, I would say education. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is because, you know, when I was growing up and a lot of people have like a lot of these, oh, I don't know, like mindsets around money that they kind of draw from their childhood or something like that. And so the mindset around money that I was kind of drawing from was like, save, save, save. And that's like the way I was brought up, which isn't like a bad mentality necessarily as a normal part of society and like a normal human being. Um, but as an entrepreneur, I think that like the save, save, save mentality is not a good mentality at all. Like yeah. I truly think that if your money is, I've, I've heard the saying, I don't know who said this, but, um, if your money isn't flowing, your money isn't growing. And I mm-hmm. truly, truly believe that, mm-hmm. that like, if you are not investing and if you're not, um, you know, like putting your money into things, even if like that investment fails, um, you're, you're not going to grow because ultimately your money is just staying put in one little space and you're not, um, you're not putting your money to work if that makes sense. So I guess like those are probably like the ones that I would say kind of jump out (laughs) to me is like, I think these were a little bit of my mistakes when I first started. So yeah. Okay, I have two thoughts. So the first thing you said about the book, The E-Myth, I actually have read that book. That's like one of the few business books I've actually read. So I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, And one of my favorite concepts from that book is the idea, like you were saying, um, we're creatives and we start a creative business, but we like to focus on working in our business rather than working on our business. So we're working in it, doing the everyday tasks, shooting, editing, all that stuff, but we're not working on the business side of things, building the back end, being a business owner. We're, we're kind of like putting the hat on of I'm just a worker. And then you put the hat on of like, Oh, I'm the boss. So if you just focus on working in the business the whole time, that's not good. So that was my first thought. My second, exactly. my second thought when you're talking about money, um, I literally just wanted to tag on that there have been so many investments that I've made in my business, like through spending money, things that I've bought, whether it's like a program or a specific piece of, I don't know, gear or something. And I've bought it and it has made my business so much more efficient. Like it just has made things so much easier. So I'm thinking of something like HoneyBook or, you know, a CRM, or I'm thinking of, um, you know, something like QuickBooks, like a program to help you with accounting, um, taking the investment into those things. It's really going to help you. Like if, if it's a worthwhile thing, obviously you can spend money on stuff and it just kind of goes to waste sometimes. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I would say even, even when that money goes to waste per se, you still learned something from that entire experience. Experience yeah. And like the confidence that you drew from to actually invest in that quote unquote thing wasted, that same confidence is going to pull you over to spend money on something that you like really need. Like mm-hmm. for me, like I can say this, I'm not going to like say any names or titles or anything like that. But so in this past year, I've invested uh, like some pretty hefty sums in education this year on like coaching and things like that. 
And there have been certain pieces of uh, just things that I've invested in um, that have been like really disappointing. And it's like, oh my gosh, like I just spent thousands of dollars on this. And I feel like this really disappointed me and I didn't get like, quote unquote, my money's worth out of it. But then what happens, like, let's say two months later is like, I spend like thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars on another thing. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't even now imagine where I would be without this. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, So it really is like, even if you quote unquote fail at something, you're still learning, you're still growing. um, And it's still developing like a healthy confidence mindset of just being more of a go-getter in terms of spending your money and just instead of just like sitting on all of it, because that's just not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so true. I love that. Um, Let's talk a little bit about what you shoot on. Um, so everyone shoots on different things, but I'm curious, what's your go-to camera bodies, lenses, talk me through it. So I shoot on mainly, uh, I have shot on a Canon 5D Mark IV Mm -hmm. and, um, that's been just like my ride or die. Uh, but recently in this past like fourth quarter, I upgraded, or I guess we're not in the fourth quarter. I know. Hello, 22. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, last year, fourth quarter, that's when I invested in, um, the Canon R6. So that's a mirrorless. And I, I went back and forth so many times between Mm -hmm. like, um, uh, Sony and Canon. And like, there were so many people that were like apologists for either side. Um, but ultimately I think a big thing to me was I was used to Canon and I didn't want to completely, change over to a brand new system that I hadn't known before. Um, so that's kind of why I went with the R6. Yeah. I do, I have like actually so many mixed thoughts. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you want to hear them, um, but I would say, yeah, like I love both cameras. Um, there's certain things I like about um, mm-hmm. each camera. Um, I think the biggest thing that I'm struggling with is I almost like my 5d quality more okay um which i i almost feel like bad about saying uh because <laughs> i'm i'm still not going to go back to the 5d like future technology i'm moving with it mm-hmm. um but like there is a part of me that almost misses like the dslr quality for some reason okay. um but just the functionality of an r6 and uh the quick and speedy uh focus is just like like unmatched on the R6 yeah. and I just can't not use it. Like, I think right. it was one of your reels. I think it was one of your reels where you like, it was like the audio, like I got to do this for myself. I, gotta- I know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like I resonate with that <laughs> so much when it comes to uh-huh. um, my R6. So yes, I, I feel that. Um, actually I did an interview yesterday and she also shoots on the Mark four. I feel like that that's like the most, common camera that people use like and there's got to be a reason like it's a good camera um but yeah the thing with mirrorless um it's I think it's the basically the eye tracking for me is why I'm so pro mirrorless because what I do weddings like I gotta have eye tracking because I can't be worrying about where my focus is all day I got other, other things to worry about I am worrying about the uncle that is yelling at me about his camera like I'm worried about the family shot list like I don't have time to be worrying about focus so um for me that's why I'm like yes mirrorless but I do remember um I shot I I shot on a 5d mark three for a really long time and um when I switched to sony I remember the difference in the raws 
Um, and there is something really nice about the DSLR RAWs. And it's hard to explain. You know, mm -hmm. there's nice things about the mirrorless RAWs too, but like there's something with colors. They're just different. And so I was mm -hmm. so used to editing on the 5D RAWs. Um, switching mm -hmm. to mirrorless was definitely a change when I was editing for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of it can be fixed in Lightroom. And I think that's what's kind of been my saving grace mm -hmm. is getting into those like, both the texture slider, the clarity slider, the sharpness slider, um, a lot of that kind of stuff can really impact the way that you're like, just again, that texture of the photo. Yeah. Um, and then even the color you can adjust as well. So it's like, you kind of just have to spend a little more time in Lightroom to yeah. tailor that exact look that you want. Yes, exactly. Um, and then what lenses do you find yourself shooting on mostly? Um, so I usually like to shoot on my Sigma lenses. I have a Sigma 35 and then I have a Sigma 85 and those are like my go-to. Uh, however, <laughs> there's this new lens for Canon R line that I just bought this past year. And oh my goodness, it's kind of changing the game for me. Um, it's called the 2870 and um, it's a f-stop of 2.0. So it's this oh. zoom lens that ultimately functions like a prime lens. Yeah. It's really odd. But basically what this gives me is, again, focal length from 28 to 70, which is such a wide range at the quality of a prime lens. So yeah. it's almost like when I stick this thing on my camera, I don't even take it off. Like I, I have such mm -hmm. a hard time taking it off. Okay. Um, so I, that's probably my new favorite lens that I use so much, especially okay. for weddings. Yeah. Um, and I love it. Okay. Well, now you're getting me thinking about maybe I should look to see if Sony has one of those lenses. <laughs> Cause I, I love my prime lenses a lot. Um, but I do find myself shooting around F like 2.2 yeah, for most, thing. most of the time. So I'm like, if there's a zoom lens that can do that, like mm -hmm. what's the harm? Yeah. Um, Okay, so I might be going on Amazon <laughs> later today. It's fine. <laughs> okay, so I want to jump into our topic for today, which is social media, marketing. And then at the end, I do want to talk a little bit about editing. Okay. Um, so if anyone is listening and really wants to hear about editing, you have to wait all the way into the end. So um, let's talk first just about social media in general. Um, what are some of the things that you did to grow your social media pages? Because recently I've like, I just started following you maybe like a couple months ago, but I found you through, you know, I'm sure how many people find you, which is like reels. Um, so kind of walk me through what things you did to grow your social media pages. Yeah. So um, I, Honestly, it's kind of crazy to me. Uh, just like, I feel like I had a, like a pretty big jump, like from last June, I was like in the 1000 followers. So like so many, so much of me still feels like I'm there. Mm. <laughs> um, but like, I guess this is such a layered question to answer, but I'd say like, okay, so on a macro level, on a, like a more like wide level, yeah. I would say it's mindset. And okay. it's just like a mindset of um, maybe I, I'd say providing value to whoever is following you, especially mm -hmm. if you're starting with a low following that's like 1000 or less or something like that. Um, I think, you know, just like educating, um, consistently educating um, is so crucial to, if you, if you want to grow in social media. And that's something that I really tapped into, 
um, was like, all right, so if I want people to follow me, if I want to grow my following, you have to give them a reason to, you know what I mean? And it can't yeah. just be like, oh, hey, follow me, um, you know, like follow for follow or like Perfect. join yeah. some engagement pot or something like that. Like you really have to have um, a following that wants to be there for what you have to offer or just like who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was like a really big thing for me was providing value whether it's uh, educational, whether it's entertaining, um, and or or even like inspiring and motivational and personal, that's also really huge. That's mm-hmm. like kind of a lot of things that I touch on in my social media. Um, and then I think once that started happening, um, people really started connecting with those things. Um, and like again, you you integrate like the consistency in in that. Like mm-hmm. it's not the most talented uh, people on social media, quote unquote, whatever talented means. Um, it's the most consistent people who grow. Um, even if, even if you're like, oh, this post flopped or something like that, it's the people who don't get down about it. Those are the people who grow. And they're like, I don't really care that that thing flopped. I'm already on to the next thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, so I think that was like a big way that I grew maybe more of like on a um, macro scale. Um, and then maybe more micro, I would say, yeah, like I think reels have been really impactful for me. Um, it's, a really interesting time right now in social media where video is just like taking over and it's just like this huge wave of short form video that's just like almost taking over the web. And there's so, I I find that there are so few people who are willing to adopt it, Mm -hmm. uh, if that makes any sense. And so what you have is like um, these algorithms like TikTok, well, obviously TikTok is all video based, but especially Instagram is um, so video-based now and these algorithms are pushing out reels to people beyond your uh, immediate following. Um, So if you are someone who is like, I'm willing to put a reel out there with my face, like talking or making fun of myself or doing a voiceover or something like that, um, I really think it can stand out. And that's um, that's what's really been impactful for me. Um, I also think things like, you know, long form captions. So instead of instead of just like posting a photo and being like, live, laugh, love, <laughs> um, like actually posting a photo and starting a conversation, putting mm-hmm. something out there so that it immediately like starts a conversation with the person who's on the other end, something that people can respond to, something that people can sink their teeth into. Um, and then also just something like authentic to you. Um, and then you know, obviously like showing up in stories, that's huge. Being consistent in stories, that's a great way to kind of uh, nurture the audience that you already have built. Um, And then I think like, also, this might sound like, wait, we never hear about this much, but like (laughs) responding to DMs, like seriously, even though DMs are, again, it's more of like nurturing your current audience. um, It's still like a great way to serve and to care about people. Like, I gotta be honest with you. Like I try to respond to like every single DM I get. And sometimes like I get like just more than I am able to like respond to in a given day. And it's just like, Hey, I'm going to actually respond to what you're saying and serve you. Um, and I think that, I think that really goes a long way because there's so many people who aren't willing to do that. You know, like we've all been there where we've, uh, DM someone that is just like, a friend or like someone we look up to or whatever. And then we get, um, no response from them. And it's mm-hmm. almost like, Oh, sorry. 
was, were you like too cool for me? Or like, <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. like, I think once you actually do kind of invest your time and say, I care about whoever this person is on the other side of mm-hmm. the screen, um, I think it makes an impact. So yeah, like there's so yeah. many things I could kind of say, uh, you know, this, this, this is going to add to social media growth and has added to mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot okay. of different things. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. You kind of, uh, hit me hard there with the DM thing because, um, I am terrible at DMs. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just have like, you know, in your request thing, like it can say 99 plus, like mine has been, <laughs> oh, at, no. mine has been at 99 plus requests. Um, basically since like 2020, I would say, um, you know, maybe 2021 at the beginning, but like I've never caught up on DMs. Um, so, but it is the heart behind it because I genuinely, I do respond to like the people that I can, but like, bro, it's crazy. Um, but I do like the idea of serving people. I think DMS Mm -hmm. are a really great place to do it. If you don't have the bandwidth to do DMS, you can Mm -hmm. reply to comments or, um, you know, just post content that people are asking about. So even Mm -hmm. if you don't have time to respond to someone's DM about like, Hey, what should I wear to my session? You can create a post about what to wear to someone se- to a session mm-hmm. or something like that. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I really, I think all of those are really, really good tips. Um, do you find that having grown on social media so much has helped you book more or have you not seen it impact your booking at all? I'm just curious, like how mm-hmm. you've seen the correlation. So I would say, uh, this is like a yes and no question. Um, and the reason I'd say yes and no is because I'd probably reform the question. Um, I think, yes, my bookings have increased substantially, but I would say, uh, my social media growth, which I would consider in the bucket of marketing, Mm -hmm. um, has increased my inquiries and my quality of inquiries. Um, so yes, it's increased quantity and quality of inquiries, Um, I think for bookings, that's more like in my head related to sales. So if like, if that makes any sense. So basically, I guess what I'm saying is if someone's like, oh, like I can just create a bigger following and then I get more bookings, I would say, no, no, no. Like that will help your marketing. I do think it'll get you more inquiries, but it doesn't really matter if you have a ton more inquiries, if you don't know sales and you can't actually lock down the sale. So Mm -hmm. I would say, yes, my bookings have increased, but I attribute that to me, like learning sales in a completely different uh, part of my business. Um, But yes, my inquiries, I would say have like both, both the quantity and the quality of them. And like, to me, I'm more concerned about quality of inquiries at this point, uh, like the quality of them, I think has really increased. And the people that inquire are much more cued in on who I am. And I feel like I'm not like wasting time on people that are going to constantly ghost me. It's like people that are like, we're pretty invested at this point by the time they inquire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does make sense. Like you can only do so much on social media and then it's like, once they get into your inbox, that's on you. Like you mm-hmm. can't rely on your reels and stories anymore to be sufficient yeah. for them. Like they, I need, wish, they, I yeah, wish it were that way. they need answers. They need pricing. Yeah. They need a phone call, you know, all that different stuff. Mm-hmm. So yep, yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's a and good way I, to put it. And then I'd also say that like, you know, I guess I kind of just want to like sledgehammer the myth that your following count 
like cranks up your uh, like inquiries and bookings uh, exact. Like, I guess I don't want to, I don't want someone to think like, oh, to the degree my, that my following count grows is going to be the exact degree that my bookings or inquiries grow. And I would say that's not necessarily true. Um, like, especially for me, I find that there's a lot of, let's say in a place like West Michigan, which there's a lot of like small towns around here and a lot of community-based uh, like referrals and word of mouth going around. And that's kind of like king around here. Um, I think that, you know, social media can help you and it can, even though you increase following, you're following, it's going to help you. But I don't think that is just going to like fix everything. So for me, like I get a lot more uh, destination inquiries now as well, mm -hmm. but a lot of them aren't ready to pay for travel necessarily. Yeah. So to me, it's like, that's not really um, a win in my book necessarily. Like if they're not willing to pay to get me there, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh no. Like, it's if anything, it's the opposite end. It's just more heartbreaking because exactly. then you get excited yeah. and then it's like, Oh, sorry, I can't pay you. It's like, oh, yeah. Cool. So like, even if you grow your following, like the, the approach still remains, you have to book people or you have to like attract the people who are realistically going to book you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. There is a myth that like the more followers you have, the more you book and the more money you make. But like, honestly, there are people who, you know, have hundreds and thousands of followers, but they don't know how to turn that platform into a money-making opportunity. And I yeah. think that's kind of the difference between a uh, social media presence and uh, a business built yep. on social media. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. I just kind of, Oh, it makes perfect together. sense. Like I, I would not be on like hot take. <laughs> I would not be on social media <laughs> if it weren't for running a business, like I truly right. approach it as a business uh, venture. So yeah, like, yeah. yeah, you really have to kind of approach it from that perspective. Yeah, that's true. I'm not going to lie. I'm a social media fiend. So even if I was making no <laughs> money from it, I would still be like, here's my outfit today. Like, eh. so <laughs> that's amazing. Hey, to each their own. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about hashtags. Um, okay. so I'm sorry. I just choked. Um, <laughs> So with hashtags, have you found them helpful? And if so, like kind of how do you use them? Because I know everyone has their own strategies for hashtags. Yeah. So I am not, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not like a big um, hashtag uh, apologist in so many ways, just because I, I think hashtags are really helpful to um, kind of assist the algorithm uh, to put your content out to the right group of people. Um, in that initial uh, push out to whatever pool of people it's pushing it out to. Because mm -hmm. obviously the algorithm works um, in the form of like, it pushes your content out to a, a short little, a small little pool of people. And then if that pool of people likes your content, then it pushes it out to the next four pools of people. So yeah. if you are in a situation where, um, you know, you are tailoring your uh, kind of like the hashtags to getting in the right first pool, I think that's really awesome for using hashtags. Um, but I guess the only thing I would caution from is thinking that your hashtag strategy is like, like this missing link or something <laughs> or the secret sauce to like yeah. you going viral or something. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I try to make sure that my hashtags are tailoring my content to the actual people that want to see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't go too crazy with kind of like getting in the, 
oh, is this the right hashtag? Or like, right. you know, like, do I do 30? Do I do 15? Um, and then also another thing I would say is just the fact that you, you have kind of um, a local market that is really good to sell to. And if you can put those local hashtags in there, especially if you're a wedding photographer, yes. um, that will really increase, I think, your inquiries. That's kind of how I got started in Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do kind of, again, caution from thinking that it, uh, hashtags are everything, but I do yeah. think that's still important. Yes. Hashtags um, locally are like the thing that I really try to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, I I almost try to think like, what is going viral going to do for me? Like truthfully, like, yeah, I might get like one person from Michigan who saw it and booked a wedding. But besides that, I'm just going to get like a couple of days of like, Oh my gosh, like I'm getting so many views. And then Mm -hmm. like, that's it, you know? So, um, I think getting in front of that local market is honestly the best move. Even if it's putting you in only in front of 500 people, that's 500 people who are relevant to the hashtag that you use. And that's mm-hmm. a lot more helpful than a million people who are based all around the world and aren't going to pay for your services. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Once I started using um, local hashtags, that's when, when I first started, that's when I actually started getting bookings through Instagram. Before yes. that, I did not. Yeah. And it's honestly as simple as using like three local hashtags. Like you don't have to do anything crazy. Like I just use like my local, like Michigan wedding photographer and then my city and then, you know, just a few others. So Mm -hmm. cool. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about your like Instagram workflow kind of, and I actually didn't send you this question. So I apologize (laughs) if I put you on the spot again. No Um, worries. So just kind of walk me through like how you plan your content, like with reels and stuff, like what your posting schedule is, your workflow, just like, I don't know. I'm always interested to hear kind of how you approach it. Mm -hmm. So what I usually do is I like to take one day of the week if I can and take the majority of that day to just do all my social media. That's not always realistic to just be like, oh, I'm going to take all of Friday and do my social media. But as much as I can, I try to do that because when I batch work, it just, I don't know, everything just flows much more seamless, seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And then I end up getting more done in like a shorter amount of time and my efficiency just goes way up. So I really like to batch my work and I like to do it on a particular day of the week, kind of for the next week. I don't like to uh, batch work like a month in advance necessarily, because yeah. I find that that's just like too far in the future for me. And I don't know, like, I want to still feel like I'm in the moment to some respect with like what I'm posting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then uh, the other thing I would say, so I have, (laughs) this is so crazy, but I, this might sound weird to people who maybe don't do reels or whatever, but I have like an Excel sheet for like all my reels. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And like, I, so I I have both an Excel sheet for like all my reels, just ideas, just vomiting out all my ideas on this like mm-hmm. one Excel sheet. And then I also have a more, um, uh, concise organized version of that, uh, in a different sheet that it actually has like a posting schedule to it. Oh, um, so you're like an Excel person, like, you know, I'm not an Excel person, but like, I kind of have to be. So that's <laughs> why I am. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but no, yeah, sometimes I do like Excel, uh, because it just makes me like organized. Cause I'm not a naturally organized person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I do, uh, when I'm just in 
kind of like do, doing anything in life. Okay. And I get inspiration, whether I'm on a drive or I'm like in the middle of working out at the gym or like, um, I don't know, doing anything. And I have some sort of inspiration that strikes, whether it's a caption, whether it's just like a real idea, uh, anything like that, I will write it down in this running long list of, um, this one note in my notes that's like this long list of ideas I have mm-hmm. and just get it all out in those notes um, just so that I can transfer that over later to like maybe my Excel sheet um, because I find that I can't just show up on let's say like a social media content creation day and you know pull <laughs> straight out of my head all <laughs> these ideas that yeah. I hadn't even been you know inspired by Mm-hmm. So I find that kind of when inspiration strikes, I write it down and I get it out and then I can transfer that over later. So that's been really helpful for me. Yeah. Um, you're not the first person that I've heard of doing that either. I follow this other girl who also does something similar. Um, and I'm, I want to get into that phase where I can do that. Um, I actually, after this, I'm going to go and create something where I can dump all of my ideas. But I kid you not, every time that I go to batch my social media, I just pull it out of my brain. And somehow I remember, yes, I remember the things that I was thinking of, but I feel like one day it's just going to catch up to me and I'm going to get amnesia or something and then I'm never going to be able to post again. So I, wow, I, I actually am like, I'm, I admire that because I could <laughs> never do that. Like I, I feel like when I get sit down and mm-hmm. I'm about to like create content, I go completely blank. And I'm like, what was that idea? Like if I have an idea at 2am, I will mm-hmm. get out of bed and yeah. write it down. <laughs> yes. That, that, yeah, I, that's a good thing to do. What I do a lot of the times I'll get ideas from like videos that I see, um, not that I'm like stealing people's ideas, but like I'll see a video and I'll like the sound and I kind of like the spin this person put on it. So I'll mm-hmm. like, I have like in-app ways of like, I'll save it. And then I'll like remember my thought that I had when I saved that video. And then, you know, yeah. it's like a weird, like visual, like I'm seeing someone's video and it's a visual representation of the idea that I had from that. Yeah. Hey, so. I mean, whatever works, if that works for you, like go you, I could never, I <laughs> yeah. seriously admire that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump into the editing portion of the podcast. Um, I, from following you, I've noticed that you have a lot of good editing tips, but also I feel like editing is like, you're really good at editing. I'm not saying like, that's your only strong suit, but you're really good at editing. So, um, I guess a lot of photographers that are struggling with like editing and finding their style, what is some advice that you would give someone that is struggling with that? Yeah, thank you. Um, hmm. I think something really important is to learn uh, editing inside and out. And, uh, you know, especially you're probably going to be editing in Lightroom Classic. Uh, That's what I use. Um, Mm -hmm. That's, you know, the professional grade app for editing. So I would say really learn it, really invest yourself in learning your craft, force yourself into it, um, whether that's through education or just like learning on your own, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's something that I did when I first started as a photographer. And it really helped, even though it was like a clunky process at first, it really helped me um, like kind of lay the foundation as a photographer for being an editor that is maybe more confident 
or like um, just doesn't like doesn't feel like oh shoot like once I put my photos through Cla- Lightroom Classic they're worse or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just say really really learn your craft. Um, I I would say be careful of presets mm-hmm. and be careful of just like running to uh, the next cool preset that someone puts out. And the reason I'd say that is not because I think presets are a bad thing per se. Like I'm probably going to release a preset this year at some point. But what I would say is, you know, you don't have to uh, replicate someone else's look uh, to do something great. You don't have to look to someone else's style to do something great on your own. And then I also think that presets kind of, I guess the best way I could put it is they almost cheat you out of just learning Lightroom yourself because you're like, oh, I can just almost add this filter. Like back when we had like um, (laughs) Instagram filters over our photos, (laughs) like ultimately I can just like slap this Instagram filter on and then my photo is like amazing. Mm -hmm. And if you notice, so this is again, kind of a hot take, but I think it's really interesting how a lot of like the biggest presets out there are put out by some of the most talented photographers, if that makes any sense. And so mm-hmm. what I mean by that is um, if the if, if one of the most like skilled and experienced photographer out there, photographers out there is putting out a preset, like that's good and well if you want to buy that. But I would be careful to realize that their photos just as they are are mm-hmm. very high quality photos. Yeah. And so once you see the preset on them, you have to not just see their tones and their edits, but you also have to look deeper and be like, okay, but that photo itself was actually breathtaking. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably uh, the most important thing. And then, yeah, cause I, I know like when I first started using a preset, um, it wasn't until I had learned Lightroom for a solid year and a half and then when I did buy a preset, it worked amazing for me because I knew yeah. how to adjust it. And yes. I knew what these controls were in Lightroom and I could kind of understand what the creator made it for. Mm-hmm. So that's like a really fulfilling experience too. Cause like, Hey, reward yourself with presets if you want, yeah. but don't right. make that the bandaid over you not knowing Lightroom. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, presets can be a bandaid. I, when I first started photography, like ever, Um, I had no idea what presets were. And so I was just thrown into Lightroom and it was like, Hey, figure it out, find a way to make an edit look good. And so that's when I really got into the research of like, okay, how do I use the tone curve and like all of these different things that affect an image. And then from there I was introduced to presets and I was like, wow, like these are so nice, but I can go into the tone curve and change things based on like what I don't like. So I've noticed like other presets that I've used, like I just go into the tone curve and fix some things. And I'm like, okay, this is the edit that I'd want. Mm -hmm. Um, So understanding the basics of Lightroom, that's like a really, really good tip. Um, Mm -hmm. But also it starts with the photo. I think it's so Mm -hmm. hard sometimes with presets when you're like, oh, this preset's going to fix everything. I'm going to find my style. But like really presets and just edits in general just enhance what's already there. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you can't 
add people and add light and add like all of these beautiful things that makes a photo a photo. You can, but it would take you like literally forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's a re- also a really good tip. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then, and you know, I would say obviously presets, um, can, you kind of almost have to be careful, like that they do damage to your work, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Mm-hmm. So like if you, if you just, again, use buy a preset from a photographer who, whose photography in and of itself you love and their preset like just doesn't look good on your work like that can damage your work ultimately so you really have to be careful um from those kind of things yeah totally um okay cool so um I think I have one last question that I'm gonna ask you um what are some things specifically in editing um like things in Lightroom that you think are like the the best I'm having a really hard time wording this like the things that are just like I always need this and this and this in Lightroom or like this is like a shortcut I'm using or whatever like what what are some of those things for you that are like your signature things you do okay so I would say here I I have like three things for you all right and um this the first one isn't so these are actually going to be more general uh, but I'll get specific. Okay. So okay. like they'll kind of start general and then I'll get like more specific. Okay. So the first thing that I think is so important to understand in Lightroom is that our photos are like our digital photos. They are made up of pixels that have three color values in them, which is blue, red, and green. Mm-hmm. And I did not realize that for the longest time. And, and I also didn't realize that our eyes actually only have receptors for those three colors. So ultimately, every photo you are seeing is just a conglomeration of blue, red, and green. Um, and so once I understood that, uh, there was so much more, I guess, depth to my editing because you talk about things like calibration. Like if you go down to cam- to calibration, like that bottom panel that like no one wants to talk about, <laughs> um, you'll see that the only controls you really have are over blue, red, and green. And you're mm-hmm. like, why is this? It looks like HSL, but it's not HSL. And yes. I don't know what's happening to my image. Um, and so what it's doing is it's manipulating those three colors. So mm-hmm. like, even if you go up to the histogram and you see like this, these mountain peaks of like all these weird colors, or if you hover over a random portion of your image and then you look at the histogram, it's going to have like a certain count of red, certain count of blue, certain kind of green values. And that's telling you like what your image is built on. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is something that has really helped me understand uh, kind of like what is happening to my images as I manipulate color Mm-hmm. And even as, even as I manipulate light in terms of color, um, and yeah, like more specifically, I love to use calibration. I think it's something that people totally miss and don't touch. I didn't yeah. touch it for years. And then now I feel like it's like my secret sauce because it's such a awesome way to, for, you can do it two ways. I think you can use it just as a color corrector, mm-hmm. or you can use it to kind of create your own signature style on your images Um, and it's not something that like right off the bat, you're going to think of, but it's, it's still really powerful. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So number two, I would say less photos, uh, is going to increase the quality of your work. 
Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a lot of differing opinions on like how many to call, how many to deliver. Uh, but one thing that I found that's so impactful to my editing has been just not over delivering photos. Like I, I feel like, um, well, actually, no, my wife has told, she's a photographer too. And she says, um, like your bat, no, your worst, sorry, let me go back. Sorry, babe. <laughs> I'm like not doing her quote at good service. So she says, um, your gallery is only as strong as your worst photo. Okay. And I actually like believe that in a lot of ways, because yeah. I think that when you deliver a photo, I mean, a photo gallery, it's all an experience for your clients. And when they're looking through those photos, I don't think it's a great experience to give them like a five-star photo, five-star photo, four-star photo, five-star photo. And then all of a sudden you see like this one-star photo or two-star photo. And it's just like, wait, why is that there? Like I suddenly feel like this photo set isn't as strong as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, I think just something important to um, maybe try if you've never tried is like try to call less photos and I really think the quality of your work is going to go up. Mm-hmm. And I also think that you're going to spend more time on each edit. Uh, I found that for myself and it's really changed the game for me. Yeah. Uh, and then thirdly, and this is just a little like random thing that I love is I love to crop. I think cropping is one of the most powerful creative tools yeah. in Lightroom and uh, it's so underrated too. And I think a lot of people have like these worries that if they crop it wrong or something, people aren't going to be able to print it. Or like uh-huh. if they free crop, like the, the clients are going to be like, what, like, what is this creation that you like this square creation <laughs> that you made or something like that. And uh-huh. I just think like crea- uh, creative cropping is such a powerful way to actually uh, express your creativity beyond just color and light. Um, it's, it's the difference between a photo with a ton of negative space. that's not doing anything and just distracting, uh, and a photo that has so much emotion because you actually cropped into it. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that I'm like super passionate about right now. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that was helpful. No, yeah, it is helpful. Um, I think you almost said creoping and I'm going <laughs> to... I know, gonna, I, I heard that. <laughs> you're going to... That is your phrase. I'm coining that for you because... <laughs> Yeah. Creative cropping that that's a fun word. Like those two together, but then putting it together, cropping. That's amazing. Um, (laughs) I actually just filmed, um, a cropping video yesterday and I discovered after rewatching it that I kind of say cropping, but it sounds like I'm kind of saying crapping like a little (laughs) bit. I know. And I might, it might be my accent, but when you said cropping, I was like, Oh, I'm absolutely triggered right now. Um, those, (laughs) then I said creoping and you're like, okay, wait, mine's not that bad. (laughs) Yes. It's definitely not that bad. (laughs) Um, no, those are really, really good tips. Um, literally all of those. And you literally just thought of those on the spot, which is amazing. Oh Um, no, I did it. I definitely prepared them. Don't worry. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. That. Okay. Well, just I like, wish I thought of them. You should have just taken the moment. You should have just taken it. It was like, yeah, I totally <laughs> just thought of this on my own. <laughs> True. Next time. Yes. Cool. Um, well, I think that wraps up today's episode, but I would love to hear, um, and for anyone listening, kind of tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, but also like, what do you have up and coming in your business that is exciting? Yeah. So you can find me. I mean, we just talked about Instagram. So a great way to find me. I'm really active on my Instagram at Nathan Chansky and I'm active. I try to be active on TikTok. 
I feel like I have mixed thoughts about TikTok right now because I want them to integrate more features like stories and right. like longer captions, but I think they'll get there. So yeah, I am still active on TikTok. I try to sort of be active on Pinterest as much as possible. And then I'm always like responding to emails, uh, Nathan Chansky at Gmail. Um, I don't know if I should have like given my email out on this podcast, <laughs> but I think it's okay. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find me. And my phone number is, I'm just kidding. <laughs> here's my social security number. Yeah, exactly. Um, No, so yeah, that's where you can find me and um, what's coming up. So uh, like I said, kind of at the beginning, uh, photography education has just kind of uh, become a new passion of mine over the past six months or even I think almost a year now. And so like my first, I'm creating right now my first online course for photographers and it's actually a course on editing right now. So this is like, a whole big course, just like teaching you both technicalities and creativity of editing. And I do focus in Lightroom Classic. Uh, So that's kind of the biggest thing on my horizon right now. I'm so excited about it. And it's so exciting to actually be like, I'm putting out a course because I wanted to do that. And it's just like, such a big thing to get off the ground, but I'm actually doing it. So I'm really excited about that. And um, yeah, that's kind of me right now. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was so great talking with you and there's lots and lots of good stuff in this podcast. So I'm excited for everyone listening. Um, And thank you so much for coming on. Expose my mind to clarity. Oh, my spirit shudders. Capture the moment, oh, keep my sanity. Wisdom rushing in so much clearer now. Getting a little bit higher with every step I take. Never gonna stop, I'm getting good, oh